This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The National Broadcasting Company presents... Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, The Trap. It is 1.10 a.m., May 17th, 1948. The highway across a barren and thinly populated portion of West Texas is deserted, except for a truck and trailer pushing steadily westward toward El Paso. Boy, that nap felt good. Sure we're snoring. I could barely hear the motor. How long was our sleep? Since 8 o'clock last night. Almost 1 a.m. now. How are we doing? We'll be in El Paso by 6. We're right on schedule. You want me to take the wheel? No. no. Wait till we gas up at Frito Junction. It's only another 50 miles. Okay. I sure will be glad to get home and see my wife. <laughs> you called a long distance when we stopped for supper. Yeah. But I'm not an old-timer like you. This is our first baby we're expecting. You already got four. Ah, don't let me kid you, Sam. You feel the same way about all of them, no matter how many you have. What are you hoping for? Oh, just a healthy kid, I guess. That's all. Although, I- I'd kind of like a little girl. Yeah, you get one. You'll have a real picnic. Girls are born smarter than we are. My youngest one. She can work me over for anything she wants faster than a quarter horse can get moving. <laughs> you don't look like you're feeling any pain from it, Grover. <laughs> I ain't. I ain't. It's a big kick, getting them things they want. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I'm just as fond of the three boys, too. Yeah. But, well, a girl does get under your skin a little more. They're, oh, they're more affectionate-like. Boy grows up and you want to kiss him... He kicks up his heels. They get to be eight, nine years old. The closest you get to him is shaking hands. You know what I mean? Sure, sure do. <laughs> I guess we were the same with our folks. I wouldn't trade them for anything, though, boys or girls. And in your own blood, you... Well, you'll find out, Simpson. You got a lot of fun and living ahead of you. They'll worry you when they get sick, and they'll break your heart when they get kid troubles that you can't help them with, but... Nothing you'll ever have will mean as much to you as your young'uns. <laughs> I've been worrying about mine already, and she... He? <laughs> well, whatever it is, ain't even <laughs> here yet. I keep wondering if I'll be able to make it. You know, bring them up, educate them, help them to be somebody. Yeah, that's something else you'll worry about with each new one. Man, I'm so scared now, I think I'll just settle for one kid and leave it at that. <laughs> that's what I said 12 years ago with our first, but you'll change your mind. Yeah, I guess so. Mary said that she hey, wanted... Hey, hey, Huh? What's that ahead? Where? Oh, somebody waving a red lantern. We must be coming to that narrow bridge over Lannan's Creek. You suppose it's been washed out again by a flash flood? Yeah, that could be, although it don't look like there's been any rain here since we started the haul east four days ago. Just the same. They got it blocked. Yeah. Look, Grover, they put up a detour sign. Yeah, probably wants us to go to the left end of the old road. No, sign points to the right, and the fellow with the lantern is waving us that way. Yeah, I guess he knows what he's doing. Don't look like much of a road this way, does it? Oh, it's 
It's going to be mighty rough going. I hope this don't last too. Hey, this ain't even a road. Oh, it's just a little dead-end turnoff. That guy must have been crazy sending us in here. Backing this rig out is sure going to be a job. Ah, what a dumb trick. I'm going to walk back and ask him what in the name of blazes made him turn us off this way. I'll come with you. You'd think they'd have a highway patrol car stationed there to... Wait a minute. What's the matter? Look by the road. The guy with the lamp is moving that detour sign. Get back in the truck, quick. What is it, Grover? What's wrong? It's like a hijack. Get it rolling backwards and don't mind what you hit. Just keep... Grover! Grover! Hey, don't shoot anymore! Don't shoot! He's hurt! You can take him! I said you could take everything. You didn't have... Mary... At 9 p.m. the following night, the bodies of Warren Grover and Luther Sims were discovered and the sheriff notified. He called for help from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Here are the bodies, Jace. Must have been dragged into the brush when the truck was stolen. Lucky thing Mr. Archer here found them. Mighty lucky. Could have been here for days. How'd you happen to come across them, Mr. Archer? Well, it weren't me. One of my kids found them. We uh, pulled off the highway fixing to make camp for the night. Boy was gathering wood for the fire. Then out of yelp and come legging out of here like a scared jackrabbit. You make a habit of camping out at night with your family? Ain't nothing much a man can do about it when he ain't working. Them motels and places cost money. Where do you come from? Up Arkansas way. We're heading for California. Migratory workers, huh? Mm-hmm. You can talk to his family later if you want, Jace. I let Archer pull his car into a clearing up the highway about 200 yards the other side of the bridge. He didn't want to keep the kids around here. Eh, if you ain't got nothing else to ask me, I'd like to get back to my wife, Plum Shaky. All right, go ahead. But when you get to the car, stay put. Well, I ain't got no place special to go. Thank you. You got a flashlight, Jace? Mine's about to peter out. Yeah. There, you can give your batteries a rest. You say they were due in El Paso at 6 this morning, huh? Yep, was on schedule, too, until they got here, I reckon. Made their supper stop on time last night. The company checked back. When would you get the request to look for the truck? Got the description and license number early this afternoon when they was overdue and nobody had heard from them. The company figured if they'd had a breakdown, they'd have called in. According to their schedule, they should have reached this spot a little after midnight last night. And whoever took that truck had plenty of time to get a long ways from here with it before sunup. Not much chance of anybody spotting them. That's right. We better take a look around. I've been all over the ground between here and the highway, but I guess it won't hurt to look again. Condition my light was in, I might have missed something. I can show you where they were when they dropped bloodstains on the ground out here. Yeah, I saw them. Right where the truck was. Things aren't far from the tire marks. They're funny tires, Jace. Different pattern right smack down the center of them. Well, no, those inside tracks were made by Archer's car when he drove in. Covered part of the truck marks. Boy, this place is rutted. He'd fall right into the same track. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Ah, here's something. What is it? Cartridge shell. Look at it. Forty-five caliber army automatic. Oh, and here's another one. Well, we won't have to wait for an autopsy to tell us what the murder weapon was. Hey, I just thought of something. What? That forty-five Army automatic. There's an Army camp about 40 miles further on, j- just 10 miles this side of Frito Junction. I'm afraid that won't help us, Sheriff. Number marking on these shells is a 17. That's the old 1917 ammunition series, World War One. No camp would be using ammo that old. Uh, too bad. I thought for a minute we might have a fast lead. You arranged to have the bodies moved? Yep, sent my deputy to town for an undertaker. Good. Let's walk out to Archer's car, talk to his wife and kids. There's one thing I don't understand, Jace. Why did they pull their truck off the road? A trucker riding alone might do it to grab some sleep, but not a scheduled rig with two drivers. I can't figure that either. Archer's car's up this way, other side of the bridge. Might as well leave your car right where it is, not much of a walk. Sure. Hold it, Sheriff. What is it? This mark just off the road shoulder here. Hmm. Sort of a circle in the dirt. Yeah. And whatever made the circle was wet and kind of oily. What do you suppose made it? Oh, it would make an oily, round impression that size. Oh, I don't know. 
Unless maybe it was a lantern. That's what it was, all right. And here's something else. Four small rectangular marks in the earth. Base of each mark, about two by four. Well, I can't figure that. Unless somebody had a table out here. I don't think it was a table. Another thing that would make four mark space like that's a wooden sawhorse. Did this bridge ever wash out? Sometimes, when there's a flash flood. Hey, I see what you're aiming at. When there is a flood, highway patrol sets up a detour sign. Sends traffic through that road over across the highway. When that happened last? Oh, not in a couple of months. Now, these marks aren't that old. Somebody detoured that truck into the dead-end road on this side. Lantern and sawhorse were set in here until they were moved onto the road to set up a block. They must have had that particular truck pegged then. Came through at a time when there isn't much traffic between the last town to the east and Frito Junction. Come on, let's talk to Archer. You got a list of the cargo the truck was carrying? Told my deputy to wire a request for it after we found the truck had been stolen. It'll come through to my office. Good, because we'll have to track this down through cargo. I got a hunch that the truck has been emptied and ditched by now. Archer didn't know any more than he'd already told us, and his wife and three pale, undernourished kids couldn't add anything. We waited until the bodies were picked up and then headed back for town. The next morning, there was a wire from the trucking company waiting at the sheriff's office, a list of the missing truck's cargo. Here's a report on the cargo, Jace. Valued at $39,000. Let's see. A shipment of automobile radios, huh? Well, that's a break. Why? Because they all have serial numbers. It'd be a lot of work if they try and change the numbers, and if they don't, one of the sets will turn up sooner or later. Yeah, but they didn't send the numbers through to us, Jace. Just the set make and model. I'm radioing my headquarters to get them. Come on. Austin can contact the manufacturer and have him send a complete list of the serials through. Then they can distribute the list to all law enforcement agencies on a statewide bulletin. We don't stand much chance of cracking this if we have to wait for a hot car radio to turn up. Don't worry. We're not going to wait. We've got plenty of other things to do. How many deputies you got handy? Three. How about send them back along the highway? We know where Grover and Sims made their supper stop. I'd like to find out if they made any stops after that, before they were killed. Good idea. As a matter of fact, whoever stole the truck may have turned it around and headed back that way. Killers may have been spotted. It's a chance. On the other hand, maybe I ought to send one man toward Frito Junction in El Paso, just in case the truck kept heading west. Never mind. I'll handle that part of it myself. I'm heading for Frito Junction as soon as I can make that radio call. Put through a request for the serial numbers, then headed for Frito Junction. On the way, I got a radio call from KTXA. The missing truck had always made a regular stop at the mobile gas station in Frito Junction. When I got to the station, I sent for the man who'd been on duty the night the truck was hijacked. Yep, I was on duty night before last, Ranger, but Grover and Sims didn't stop here. I know they didn't. They never got this far. What I want to know is, did you see their truck? The station's right at the crossroads. If the truck came through with somebody else driving it, there's a chance you might have seen it. Ranger, I'd like to help you, but, well, there ain't much business during the night, even though the boss does keep the place open as an accommodation of truckers. I usually stretch out on a cot in the office. If a truck stops, I get up. If it don't, I just hear it go past. Any other stations around here open at night? Nope. The truck Grover and Sims were driving always stopped here, didn't it? Yep. Company they drove for has a credit account here. They haul between El Paso and Houston. Well, the tanks are always just about dry when they hit here on the return haul from Houston. I see. You mean the truck would be too low on gas to go much further than this without filling up, providing it came this way? That's right. Thanks. That's a big help. You're welcome, Ranger. Wish I could help more. Grover and Sims were pretty nice guys. That's the trouble with a killing. The wrong people usually get killed. It sounds like you've got an impatient customer out there. Yep, one of the soldiers from Camp Boulder. Boys are busy on the pumps. I might as well help him. Hey, he's got the drive blocked. I'll ask him to back up so you can get your car and trailer out. It's all right. He doesn't seem to want gas. May want directions or someplace. Hey, you got a shop here? Yeah, but you have to pull around the back. You're blocking the ranger's car. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Just want to make sure you can help me. Doesn't seem to be much wrong with that motor. There isn't anything wrong with it. Top shape. And what do you want to put it in the shop for? Got a new radio. Thought you might be able to install it for me. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case. 
The Trap, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. A soldier with a new car radio. It didn't have to mean anything, but it might. The make and model of the set he had matched what I was looking for. I got the serial number from the carton that came in and phoned it through to the sheriff for a fast check against the manufacturer's list. Then I went into the shop to ask a few questions. You'll have to drill holes for the antenna, I guess. Unless you want to wear it in your hat, I will. <laughs> Looks like a good set. Yeah. yeah. Pretty expensive. Fellow told me it sells for about 85 bucks. What'd you pay for it? Well, I, uh, I didn't buy it. I made a deal for it, sort of. What kind of a deal? What are you asking me that for, Ranger? Something wrong? I didn't say that. I was just wondering what kind of a deal a fella could get on a car radio. The man you got this from have any others he wanted to get rid of? Well, I, I, I don't think so. He just gave me this for a trade, you know. On what? Something I had that he needed. Uh, look, my pass is only good for a couple hours. I didn't think it would be this long. Maybe I better let it go, and I'll, I'll come back in next time I'm in town. Okay. I think you better stay around. But my pass... Maybe I... I can get you a little extension of time. What's the camp number? I'll call your commanding officer. Well, what do you want to do that for? Yeah, what's the matter, Ranger? What is it? It's that radio. Grover and Sims were hauling a truckload of auto radios when they were hijacked and killed. What? You telling me that radio's stolen? No, I'm not. Not yet. But I'm waiting for a check on the serial number, and you're not leaving here until I get it. Well, look, you've got to believe me. The guy gave me that set. Yeah. You've been pretty evasive about telling me why he gave it to I you. I told you it was a trade. For what? Come on, talk up. Well, I... I can't tell you that. Get me in trouble. If this is one of the sets taken from two murdered truck drivers, you'll be in plenty of trouble unless I know where and how you got it. Sounds like you better tell him, soldier. I got the set in exchange for some gasoline. Gasoline, huh? All right, go ahead. Well, it was night before last. Just after 2 o'clock, I, I just started guard duty at camp. My post was along the fence by the motor pool from 2 to 4. The ranger, that's not long after the time you said Grover was... Never mind, Milligan. Go ahead. Well, I... I heard this car stop near the fence. You sure it wasn't a truck? No, no, it was a car. So I, I walked over to the fence where it was parked. I, I sort of gave the challenge, you know, asked who it was, and a man walked up. Said he needed some gas. And you gave it to him, just like that. No, huh? no, no. He he said he'd pay me for it. I told him it was against regulations. Then he, he said it wasn't for him. He said a, a couple of women were stranded down the highway in their car. And then he, he said he'd give me a car radio. Oh, well, it seemed like a good deal, so I opened a pump and filled some Jeep cans for him. How many gallons? Twenty-five. And you didn't think there was anything wrong with a trade like that? An $85 radio for 25 gallons of gas. Well, the guy was stuck and asked... How could he be stuck? He was only 10 miles from the station and it's open all night. Well, maybe he didn't know that. He knew it all right. But he didn't want to bring a stolen truck into this station and he didn't want to get that much gas in cans from a place that might be checked. Look, Ranger, please, uh, I'm up for discharge in a couple of months. Our camp is being deactivated. I don't want to get in bad. You should have thought of that before you started to ladle out government gasoline. What kind of sidearms do you carry at the camp when you do a guard trick? Uh, regulation Army 45. Any 1917 series ammo? None that I ever saw. Are you going to give me a break? I'm not a judge. I can't give breaks. You're the only key I've got to two dead men. I'll call your post and have the MPs pick you up. The gasoline's the Army's business, but this radio is mine if it's stolen property. How could I know it was stolen? Can you describe the man you got it from? No, it was too dark. Besides... Besides, there were two men. One of them stayed in the car. It'd help your case a lot if you could tell us what they looked like. Even what kind of a car they were driving. Well, it was dark, I tell you. They talked to each other? Call each other by name? Well, yeah, yeah. The, the fellow I gave the gas to, he called the other one in the car and he said, Drive up closer, will you, Sonny Boy? Sonny Boy? Well, that's not a name. Probably just a wisecracker nickname. I'm just telling you what I heard. I'm trying to do everything I can to help you. Yeah. Just a minute. Rangers for you, the sheriff. Thanks. Hello, Sheriff. Howdy, Jase. That soldier's radio is on the stolen list, all right. But I got someone with deputies dug up. Grover and Sims did make another stop after they had their supper. At 11.30 the night they were killed. Where? Roadside diner. Just stopped for coffee. At least Sims had coffee there. Told the proprietor that Grover was asleep in the cab of the truck. You talked to the proprietor yourself? Sure did. Drove out Sims as soon as the deputy gave me the report. It's 
Watson's Diner. A lot of truckers eat there or stop to coffee up when they're riding late. Watson know if they had a hitchhiker with them? Any rider they might have picked up? He says no, but he didn't go out to the truck, of course. From what he says, Sims was the only one in the place except for some traveling salesman who was playing the pinball machine. Fellow named Sonny Boy Jensen. Sonny Boy? That's right, Jace. What you getting excited about? Talk to Watson again. Find out what he knows about Sonny Boy Jensen, who he is and where he comes from. And meet me back at your office. I'll get there as fast as I can roll. The army camp was on my way, so I took the soldier with me and turned him over to the camp authorities to be held. I kept a lead foot on the gas pedal as I drove past the bridge in the side road where the truckers had been hijacked and slain. It took me almost two hours to reach the county seat. The sheriff was standing in front of his office as I drove up. Inform KTXA of any change of location. We'll keep in touch. Howdy, Jase. Howdy. What'd you get? Something that might fit. That Jensen's been traveling up and down this highway for years, selling electrical appliances to farmers and ranchers, mostly. Men like that would have good market for car radios once that shipment cooled off. He could be our boy, all right. You get any line on where he comes from? Works out of El Paso, mostly. But his home's a small ranch about 150 miles southwest of Frito. Sonny Boy Jensen can't be his real name. No, it's Bertram Jensen. They just call him Sonny Boy. Watson said he left the diner about five minutes after Simpson Grover pulled out. Probably passed him on the highway. Had him all staked out and set up that roadblock. You better climb in. Going to El Paso? No, I'll turn south out of Frito and head for Jensen's ranch. I don't think he'd take that hot merchandise into El Paso. Even if he got there before daylight, he'd run into some traffic, and that's the trucking company's home base. He'd be taking a chance on loading any place in the city. Mm, I see what you mean. You better check on him while we're rolling. Unit 10 to KTXA. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA. This unit en route to Jensen Ranch near County Line, 150 miles southwest of Frito Junction. 10-4. Request check on subject Bertram Jensen, alias Sonny Boy Jensen, El Paso appliance dealer and owner of ranch this unit is headed toward. 10-4. Unit 10, clear. KDXA, I've been thinking, Jace. This couldn't have been a one-man job. Jensen couldn't drive the truck and his car after the hijack? It wasn't a one-man job. The soldier who gave him the gas they needed for the truck said there were two men in the car. Two men with a bad murder rap hanging over them are liable to fight, Gates. They sure are, Sheriff. Better take the safety off your gun right now. There mightn't be time later. Unit 10, go ahead, KTXA. Have a report for you on Bertram Jensen. No record of Sonny Boy alias. Served three years in federal penitentiary Leavenworth, 1919 to 1921, for theft of army material from government armory. Had accomplice named Dolph Muni, convicted on same charge. No record on either since then. 10-4, Unit 10, clear. KTXA, Austin. That may answer a couple of our questions, Sheriff. Yep. Where Jensen got that Army 45 and the 1917 ammo series, and who his partner was, if you think he might have kept in touch with Dolph Mooney for almost 20 years. There's an old saying, Sheriff, about birds of a feather. It was after dark when we reached the Jensen Ranch. When the door opened, I knew it was Jensen. There were little wrinkles under his eyes, and his temples were gray, but his face held a youthful softness as some faces do, whether 16 or 60. It wasn't hard to understand why they called him Sonny Boy. Well, it's been a long time since I've seen a ranger around here. You, uh, looking for somebody? Sheriff and I heard you might be able to get us a bargain on a few things. Uh, sure. What are you interested in? Automobile radios. Uh... I got a few in my warehouse in El Paso. Thought you might have something around here. No, I'm, I'm afraid not. Uh, and maybe you know somebody who has. Uh, no, I, I don't know many people. I live alone here. Don't see much of anybody. Had any company this evening? No. Two ashtrays in this room don't agree with you. There's smoldering butts in both of them. So unless you smoke two cigarettes at a time and walk back and forth across the room to put them out, you haven't been alone. Uh, all right. 
A neighbor's visited me. Is that a crime? No. Where is he? In the kitchen. Call him. Don't go for him. Just call him from here. Uh, Doc? Hey, Doc! What's this Doc business, Janet? Oh. Well, I didn't hear anybody come in. Jensen tells us you've been visiting him. Where are you from? From Borderville. Well, that's about 50 miles from here. Yeah, and Jensen said you were a neighbor. Well, that's right, ain't it? Distance don't mean much in Texas. <laughs> I I just dropped in on Jensen unexpected. Matter of fact, I, I was just washing up, fixing to start for home. Yeah, he's he just leaving. Oh, well, go right ahead. Uh, I'll get your coat as soon as closet. Oh, uh... Before you open that, I'd like to ask your friend a couple of questions. Fifty miles is kind of a long walk, isn't it? Only way to leave this ranch would be in a car, and if you've got one parked outside, we didn't notice it. Uh, I was going to lend him mine. Oh, I see. You said you dropped in unexpectedly. How'd you get here without a car? Why, uh, here's to ride. Somebody dropped me off the gate. Uh-huh. Uh, if you got nothing else to ask me, I... I'd like to be going. Yeah. Imagine you would, but I'm not quite finished. Maybe you know where I could get a bargain in an automobile radio. Why, I don't know nothing about radios. It's too bad. I thought you might. All right, Jensen. Give him his coat. By the way, either you heard from Dolph Muni lately? Get out of here. You got no right asking questions. You got no warrant. You let us in, Jensen. My story is you broke in, and you ain't going to be able to deny it. Get him on that closet shelf, Case. Uh, Don't try that, Jensen. Uh, Quick, Sheriff. Kick uh, that gun out of his reach. Got it, Case. Muni! He drove through the window. Stay with Jensen. I'll get him. Come on, Jensen. Get over I can see you, Muni. You better stop running before I fire. No sense trying to get in that car. It's locked. That was in the air, Muni. The next one won't be. How about it? All right. All right, don't shoot. Just walk this way with your hands high. I, I had to steal the radio, but I didn't do the killing. I didn't. I was on the highway with a detour sign when Jensen shot him. Don't tell me, Muni. Save that for the court. Where are the radios? In the barn. Hidden bales of powder. We ditched the truck in Amber Lake. All right, Muni. Let's go in and get Sonny Boy. You can make your statement at the sheriff's office. Bertram, Sonny Boy Jensen, and Dolph Muni were found guilty of the hijacked murder of truck drivers Warren Grover and Luther Sims. Both were sentenced to death in the electric chair at Huntsville Penitentiary. Each of the convicted men made an appeal for clemency. And in January of 1949, the sentence of Dolph Muni was commuted to life imprisonment. But the petition of Sonny Boy Jensen was denied. And on the morning of February 19, 1949, he was executed... Here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. Folks, we want to thank you for the wonderful letters you've been sending to us and the warm and friendly interest you've always shown toward our show. A lot of you have asked the question, what's the title of the theme music heard on Tales of the Texas Rangers? The music you hear at the opening and closing of our show is the Texas Ranger song, written by Sam Coslow and Harry Bain, and is arranged by Robert Armbruster, the conductor of the NBC Orchestra. We're glad to know that so many of you like it. We do, too. And so, Mr. Armbruster, the Texas Ranger song, if you please. McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Whitfield Connor, Herb Ellis, Parley Bear, Wilms Herbert, Paul Daubaugh, and Bill Conrad. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcutt, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. Hal Gibney speaking.
Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Next Sunday, one week from today, Tales of the Texas Rangers will relinquish its broadcast time to enable you to hear one of the season's most dramatic events, the Theater Guild on the Air, full hour-and-a-half production of Hamlet. And make a note to be back with us for another exciting Tales of the Texas Rangers two weeks from tonight. Next week, it's Hamlet. In two weeks, another Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae. Be sure to listen. Now the $64 question. Tomorrow, hear the Boston Pops on NBC. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Blind Justice. It is 5.45 a.m., March 6, 1940. Pete Salverson, owner of a roadside cafe in West Texas, is opening for business. As he sweeps up in the kitchen, he hears a sound outside the back door. Somebody out back there? That's you, Charlie? Well, what's the matter, boy? Where'd you come from? Come on, feller. Come on, I ain't gonna hurt you. Had <laughs> a boy. Looks like you got here too early to root for anything out of that garbage can, though. And them ribs of yours look like you could use some grub fast. Hey, 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 now, 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 none of that face licking. You just come on inside and I'll fix you up. Come on. Come on. Let's see. How about this? That is bone and a couple of hunks of stew meat, huh? <laughs> All right, fella. There you are. Dig into that. <laughs> oh, boy, you sure are beat up and hungry. What's this contraption you got strapped on you? Uh, Pete, you open yet? Oh, oh, howdy, Sheriff. How's the coffee situation? Well, ain't brewed yet, but I can fix some up in a minute. Had an early customer here. <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't got any money. I'm a cash customer. <laughs> Where'd you get him? Oh, he's rooting in the garbage cans out back. What you doing up around so early? I just come back from Huntsville. Delivered a prisoner up there yesterday. Yeah? Hey, this would be a pretty good-looking dog if he was taken care of. Who owns him? I don't know. Never seen him before. Never did see a leash like the one he's wearing, either. Kind of funny contraption. Look at it. Hey, let's see that. What's the matter, Sheriff? Well, this ain't a leash. It's a harness. Huh? This here dog's a C&I dog. One of them dogs is trained to lead blind people? Sure is. He must have run off from his master, then. Well, these dogs don't run off, Pete. I had a missing person's bulletin on a blind man three days ago. This might be his dog. Well, the guy that's missing must be around here, then, huh? Well, if he is, something must have happened to him. This dog never would have left him. Say, you got change for a dollar in the register? Oh, sure thing. I'm going to hit that phone and get a ranger down here to help. 
Wherever that dog's master is, I got a hunch we'd better find him quick. Less than one hour after the sheriff's appeal for help, Texas Ranger Jace Pearson joined him at Pete Salveson's roadside cafe. There he is, Ranger. No mistake in that harness if you ever seen one before. It's a C&I dog, all right. You say you found him outside this morning, Salverson? Yeah, half starved, like you can see. Been a good three or four days since he's eaten from the looks of him. Easy, boy. Come here. Nobody's going to hurt you. Oh, I'm sorry, fella. It's really sore, isn't it? He's had a bad time, Sheriff. Got a pretty hard clip on the head. Must have been knocked out. Since then, he's traveled through some rough country. And late, your gear's got him all sliced up. Foot pads are sore from walking. Yeah, but ever since Pete fed him, he's been yelling to get out of here. Reckon he'll be able to lead us back to his master? He'll try if he can make it. We'll have a better chance if a veterinarian works him over first. Where's the nearest one? Uh, foreman at the Wolverine Ranch is a vet. Want to take him out there? Yeah. Meanwhile, you better get yourself a horse. I'll leave my horse trailer here until I get back. You can load your mount in with my horse, Charcoal. It's a double trailer. What makes you think we'll need horses? In the country this dog came through isn't the kind we'll be able to get through in a car. And he came too far for us to follow on foot. Lost dogs sometimes head for home, Jace. Missing persons bulletin came from Ozona in Crockett County. Dog may be headed for there. Only way we'll find out is to follow him. If he heads any other way, it'll be back toward the man he's been trained to take care of. I'm figuring that'll be in a southerly direction from here. Well, how do you know that? All barren country that way, full of lechuguilla. If he came such a long way from any other direction, he'd have run into a town or a ranch and been found before this. I reckon I'll buy that. That makes sense. Get your horse. I'll meet you back here and we'll drive as far south as we can cross country and then turn this dog loose and follow him. I got the dog patched up at the Wolverine Ranch, picked up the sheriff and his horse, and headed south into the Badlands. We switched from car to our horses and turned the dog loose. He circled around for a moment, got his bearings, and then, despite the soreness of his body, started into a limping run. He's heading south, all right, Jace. Must be going to his master. Beats me why he went all the way to Peach Place, though. He had to go someplace for help. But the only thought he gave to himself was just stopping long enough to be fed before he headed back here. How far do you reckon we'll have to go? Well, we came 14 miles by car before the dirt road petered out. He came a lot farther than that. Might have taken him a couple of days. Well, we'll have to stop him at night. If he keeps going that long and time off. We better make sure we can catch him before dark so he don't get away from us altogether. Uh, chances are he'll wait for us. After all, we're the help he came after. If he doesn't, we'll be able to follow him anyhow. In the dark? Yeah. I treated his collar with some phosphorus paint. Hey, whatever made you think of that? Uh -huh. Trick my father taught me a long time ago. He had an old hound dog, great hunter. Got a throat injury and couldn't sound off. Blowing collar made up for it. Well, like they say, we live and learn. <laughs> hey, look. Look where the dog's cutting, up in the foothills. Yeah. That's Ambush Canyon that way, isn't it? Well, sure is. See, no wonder that dog's so beat up. I wouldn't tackle this country in an army tank if I didn't have to. I wonder if that blind fellow would be alive when we find him. I don't think so, Sheriff. If he was alive, I don't think the dog would ever have left him. Come on, Charlie. Stop. What kept that dog going, I'll never know. We hit stretches where we had to lead the horses on foot. It was toward sundown of the second day when the dog caved in. He made a feeble attempt to inch along on his stomach and then just rolled over on his side, panting. He's done for, Jace. Can't even take water. I better... No, Sheriff. Put your gun away. But, Jace, he couldn't move another inch if he wanted to. I'll carry him with me on charcoal. Man would be mighty lucky if he could find a human being that'd go this far for him. Uh, he'd never have led us this far back if you hadn't had the vet work on him. Well, what do we do now? Keep on going, I guess. If his master is in here, he must have left some trail. We'll keep cutting through till we find marks. Jace, now how would a blind man get into this country and why? I don't know. But if he wasn't here, the dog wouldn't have been here either. We better move on till we find a good spot to make camp. These horses need some attention on the night of rest, too. Meantime, maybe I can do a little doctrine on the dog. Won't do any good, Jace. All you'll need's a pack shovel. You just stop breathing. He's dead.
The next morning, we started trail cutting, working steadily to the south, toward the international border, the Rio Grande. Yeah, the country's getting a mite better now, Jace, but we're only about a half a mile from the river. If anybody else had been in here recently, we'd have seen some sign of a trail. Nobody could come through here without leaving some kind of tracks. That dog didn't head this way for nothing, Sheriff. He must have... Hey, hold it a second. Huh? What is it? Look at this. Dog hair caught in this thorn brush. Yeah. Must have been a few days ago when the dog headed out. Look at the color. German Shepherd, all right. We're still in the right trail, then. But why no human tracks? Well, the dog came out of here on foot. But this may not be the way he and his master got in here originally. What other way is there? On the river, in a raft, or a flat-bottom boat? Well, how could a blind man navigate the river? He didn't have to be alone, Sheriff. That dog was beaten on the head, remember? It isn't likely his master did that, is it? No, I see what you mean, but how... Now, would... Wait a minute. Look up ahead there, along the side of the ridge, about a quarter of a mile. Yeah, looks like part of the rock and the earth have been scooped out. Mm. Must have been a little landslide. Not on a rock facing as solid as that looks. What do you suppose it is, then? Let's find out. more than an hour to reach the base of the ridge and find the answer. It wasn't a landslide. There were a couple of dynamite caps on the ground. The fresh earth had been blown out. Uh, two men, all right, Jace. Signs of tracks held tight in this fresh earth. Dog tracks go right along with the one set. That was the blind man. Yeah, another mark running in with those tracks, though. Little round hole in the ground every few steps. And the blind man must have had a cane, too. Move around the wide circle and cut back to this spot until... Oh, wait, Jace. What's that thing over there by the brush? Long white piece or something. A white cane. Come on. A head of its stain, Jace. Looks like blood. Yeah, it is. The dog must have been clubbed with that. Uh, blood stains didn't come from the dog, Sheriff. Lump he had on his head didn't bleed. <laughs> Let's beat through this brush. Blood trail on the ground through here, Jace. Yeah. That path just ahead seems to be pressed down in one spot. Let's make for it. Man's body, all right. Face down. Better roll him over and see if it's a blind man. It's him, all right. You can tell by his right hand. Callous ridge there from holding onto that dog harness. I took the white cane and the dynamite caps and rode along the shore of the river to the nearest town. Called Austin to fly a lab man down and arrange for a boat to pick up the sheriff and the body. I was in the local constable's office 24 hours later when the body was brought into town. Well, body's over at the undertaker, Jace. Good. Constable told me you were in here looking over a report from your lab man. Yeah. No lead on the dynamite caps, but we learned plenty from the cane. Two sets of prints, one unidentified. Must have been the blind man's. Now what about the other set? man who left the other set had a criminal record. Name was James Waterman. Got out of Huntsville six years ago. Waterman? Say, I, I remember that name. You ought to remember it. He pulled ten years for armed robbery. $40,000 payroll stick-up back in 24. Money never was recovered. I wonder why he killed that blind man. And why was he blasting in the face of that rock ridge? Something we'll ask him when we get him. Oh, was the lab man at the funeral home when you brought the body in? Yeah, he's going over it now. Want to get some grub while you're waiting for him to finish? Yeah. You take prints off the body to compare with the ones he lifted from the cane. He'll have identification established by the time we get through. Good. Let's go. I'll be glad to eat something I haven't had to cook myself. Mm -hmm. You know, funny thing. We started off so fast after that dog turned up the other day, I never did check that missing persons bulletin for the blind man's name. His name was Joseph Wilson. Lived in a rooming house in Ozona. Operated a newsstand. Landlady reported him missing when she didn't see him or the dog for two days. There's a cafe across the street. Good. took our time. A statewide pickup was out for James Waterman, and it seemed just a matter of pinning him down. But when we got finished and walked over to the funeral home, the case wasn't so simple. Our lab man, Marty Ferris, was just finishing a phone conversation. No, I said there's no doubt about it. Yeah, check on it. Pearson just walked in. I'll tell him. Bye. Howdy, Jason. Howdy, Marty. Marty Ferris, Sheriff Fritchie. Now, we met when the sheriff came in with the body. And, Jace, we got trouble. This thing is blown wide open. Why? What's the matter? That's the prints. And take a look at them. Now, here's a copy of the unidentified set I sent on to Austin. The man who made them has no record. Well, why should he have a record? Aren't they the blind man's prints? Uh, no, they aren't, Jace. The prints on the body match the known prints pulled from the cane. 
The dead man is James Waterman. What? That's it, Sheriff. Here, look at the print. See for yourself. Marty, could you have made a mistake? No, Jace. I just checked with Austin on the phone by classification number. Waterman must have been blinded sometime after he left Huntsville. He took the name of Wilson as an alias. Uh, now all we've got is a set of unidentified prints that might match anybody in the state. Sheriff, our killer isn't going to be easy to find. Listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Blind Justice, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. Whoever the blind man's companion had been, there had to be a starting point for their journey along the river, a place where they'd picked up a boat or a raft. The sheriff and I worked our way along the river above the town, questioning the occasional Mexicans who managed somehow to make a living where no living was to be made. And in one spot, less than a mile from the road, we found something. You can see it clearly now, Jace. Yeah. Impression of a flat-bottomed boat on that mud flat. Had to be dragged quite a ways to the water. Not many days ago, either. Oh, oh, boy. Mud around where the boat was is caked dry. Spot where the boat was setting still looks damp. Uh-huh. Boat must have been there without being used for quite some time. River's been way down for more than a year. A little smoke coming up from behind those trees. Must be a Mexican hut. Whoever's there might own the boat. Let's ask him. Get up, Charlie. Oh, Come boy. Mmm, tacos cooking. Smell them? Yeah. Smell something else, too. Chicken frying. There's a place. I can see it now. Yeah, pretty high class for river hut. Looking back, chicken coop. Kind of new, too. Coop wire, I mean. Hasn't been up very long. Yeah, a woman out in front of the place. Well, she sees us. Buenos dias, senor. Oh, buenos dias, senor. Oh, Charlie. Oh, boy. Maybe you can help us out, senora. We'd like some information about a boat that was out on that mud flat until a few days ago. I never see a boat there, senor. You never saw one there? What made that impression in the mud, then? I... I called my husband. He speaks better English. Hmm. They know something about that boat, all right, Jace. Yeah. My husband. He come. Hey, you want something, senor? They want to know. There's a mark left by a boat down in that mud flat. When was the boat there last? And what happened to it? Hey. It was maybe a week ago the boat disappeared in the night. One morning she's gone, that's all I know. Who took it? We don't know. Mm, just like that, huh? Say, say, just gone. Don't try to feed us a story like that, you... Now, just a second, Sheriff. Where do you work, Danielle? What do you do for a living? Well, uh, I do anything for whoever give me the work. But for a long time, nobody give me any. You must have saved a lot of money to be eating fried chicken and tacos. Where'd you get those chickens? I, I raised them, senor. Yeah, without hens and a rooster? There isn't anything in that coop old enough to sit a nest. And that coop wire's new. Well, what I mean to say, I, I was just starting to raise them. Where'd you get the money to buy that coop wire and the chicks? You better talk up. This is part of a murder investigation. Murder? Blind man was murdered downriver. He got there by boat. Oh, you... Senor, I, I got nothing to do with murder. I just sell the boat. Why didn't you say so before? Well, because the boat was not mine. But you sold it just the same. Say, say, look, I tell you the truth. The boat is there for two years, ever since we come here. I never know who owns it, and then one day the, the men come. The two men? Say, say. And one of them blind? Say, say. He got a dog and a white stick. The other man with him, he said to me, I give you $50 for the boat. Well, I... I don't say that the boat is mine. I, I just let him give me $50. What the man look like? The one who could see? Oh, he's big, just like you, with the light hair, very wavy, eyes uh, uh, blue. He said that when they come back, I can have the boat back for nada, uh, nothing. And he gave me more money if I don't tell nobody. I say, uh, you give me more now, huh? But he said he don't have no more until he come back. That's the whole truth, senor, just like Daniel tell you. All right. If it isn't the truth, we'll find out. Come on, Sheriff. Let's go. All right. 
Uh, you two stay right around here in case we want to see you again. Oh, we'll stay we'll with you. We'll be here. We don't run away. Up, boy. Hey. Uh, heading back for the town? Yeah. Marty may have some more information. And I think we just got a lead from Danielle on why Waterman and the other man went downriver. Well, if you did, you got something I missed. They promised Danielle more money when they came back. The money Waterman got in that stick-up 16 years ago never was recovered, remember? Oh, oh, I get it. That's why they dynamited into that rock ridge. Waterman must have hidden that money until it cooled off. That's right. But before he ever got back to it, he was caught and sent to Huntsville for 10 years. Why didn't he go for it as soon as he got out six years ago? That's one of the things we still don't know. Maybe Marty will have the answers when we get back to town. Marty had the answers, all right. Reports from Austin that had come in while we were on the river. I made notes on everything, Jace, if you can read my writing. Thanks. That check back shows that Waterman lost his sight three days after he left Huntsville six years ago. It's hard to run down because he didn't have to report to anybody. He'd served his full term, no parole. I see. Happened in a highway accident, huh? Yeah, I caught a lift on a gasoline truck, went over an embankment and caught fire. The driver was killed, Waterman blinded. Near Sonora. That means Waterman was headed this way from the pen. He was going straight for that money, Sheriff. But losing his sight stopped him. But why did it take him six years to move for it again? He had to find somebody to help him. A man with a load of stolen money hidden away doesn't trust many people. He finally trusted somebody. Hmm. And got killed for it. I'm going to take a ride to Ozona. It's out of your county, Sheriff, but it's your case. You want to come along? You bet I want to come along. Let's go. In Ozona, we went to the rooming house where Waterman had lived under the name of Joseph Wilson. The landlady showed us to his room. It hadn't been rented to anybody else, and his things were still there. A few books in Braille, clothing, an extra harness for the dog. Everything is just like he left it, just like it was when the police come after I called them. I haven't touched a thing. No money, nothing valuable was left here, only what you see. It's all right, ma'am. Don't be upset. Nobody accused you of taking anything. I just want you to know there wasn't nothing to take. He never had nothing. Always a couple of weeks behind in his rent. Not that I minded. I had nothing but sympathy for the poor man. Even fed his dog for him or never would have been fed. Look, something you just said is important to me. Now, if he owes you money, there's nobody to pay it, so you're you're just going to lose it. The truth can't hurt you one way or the other. Did he really owe you rent money? Yes. Why else would I say it? Every once in a while, he'd catch up. He got some kind of benefit checks from someplace once in a while. What's your angle there, Jay? I'm just figuring, Sheriff. Daniel got $50 for that boat he sold. There must have been more expenses getting from here down there. Somebody had to finance it. His traveling companion, whoever it was. Yeah. It's a cinch it was somebody Waterman met and got to know right here in Ozona. Ma'am, did Mr. Waterman, uh, Mr. Wilson, have any visitors here? Any friends? I never saw a soul. There was some fellow called him a few times, though, and he was homesick and couldn't work at the newsstand. You know who it was? No, he never gave me his name. Mr. Wilson just said it was somebody he knew from the stand. The same fellow each time? As far as I could tell from the voice. I see. Thanks. Come on, Sheriff. Was that all you want here? Yeah, thanks. We located the place where Waterman had had his newsstand, a main intersection near a bank, a restaurant, an office building, and a medical and professional building. Somebody else was running the stand now. We staked out in my car across the street. Looking for somebody fitting the description Danielle gave us? That's right. Man who called whenever Waterman was sick might have been a regular customer. There could be quite a few customers fitting that description, Jase. We'll tag the ones who come close. See if the newsie or anybody around has any information on them. Somebody might have noticed the man we're looking for hanging around the stand from time to time. If he knew Waterman well enough to call his rooming house, he knew him well enough to stop for a talk. You're right, of course, but this kind of waiting wears me out. It's the dullest part of the job, Sheriff, but sometimes it's the part that pays off. For two days, we watched the corner. Occasionally, we followed a man who fitted the description supplied by Danielle. But each time we checked, the subject turned out to be somebody who hadn't been out of town. Then, just before the end of our second day of watching, I nudged the sheriff. What is it, Jase? Over there. No, past the newsstand. Just going into the medical and professional building. Oh, yeah. 
He looks like he might be the boy, all right. His hair is really light and curly, which most of the others haven't been. Let's see where he went. Oh, oh, wait a minute. He's still in the lobby. There by the elevator. Let's wait until he's picked up. There's the elevator now. Well, there it goes. He's the only passenger. Come on. Watch the floor marker. See where the elevator stops. Third floor, Jace. Yeah, let's take a look at the building directory on the wall. Third floor, two doctors, a dentist, an attorney, and a chiropodist. Go up to that floor. Try them all. You want me to grab him? No. If you spot him in a waiting room, just sit down like you're waiting, too. After he leaves, find out anything you can about him. I'll wait back in the car and tag him after he comes out. How do we get together again? After I find out where he lives, I'll come back and pick you up on the corner. I waited for the man with the light curly hair. He came out of the building in 20 minutes. I started my car away from the curb slowly, keeping him in sight. He turned the corner and got into a car of his own, drove to an apartment building. I noted the address and then went back and met the sheriff. I hope you didn't lose him, Jace. I think he's the one we want. Why? What'd you get? He was in to see a doctor. Had a dressing on his arm changed. Doc said he's a regular patient who's been away on vacation. Mm, been out of town, huh? Yeah, but that isn't all. It's what he's being treated for that ought to make you sit up. Dog bite. Dog bite? <laughs> I thought that shepherd might have gotten to the killer just once before he was knocked out. Let's go visiting. I know the apartment building he lives in. You get his name from the doc? J.B. Rowland works on the local newspaper. Reporter? No, has charge of distribution and circulation. Also takes care of the morgue. Uh, back issue files. Oh, that'd put him in touch with Waterman on the circulation end. And his taking care of the back issues might fit, too. That might have told him who Waterman really was. Hey, that's right. Fishing through some old back issues, he might have read about the robbery and Waterman's conviction. Maybe seen a picture of Waterman and recognized it. That'd make him get friendly. He'd know the money was never recovered and that Waterman didn't have it on hand or he wouldn't be running a newsstand and living like he did. You think he told Waterman what he knew and finally talked him into a deal? Or do you think maybe you forced him into it? When we see him, we'll ask him. There's the door, Jace. Apartment 2B. You gonna knock? Yeah. Yeah? Who is it? Special delivery. Well, I'm not dressed. You better slip it under the door. You got a sign for it. Oh? Okay. Hope you got a pencil. All right, Roland. Open it all the way. I'll open it. I'll open your skull. Watch him, Jason. Stay away from that desk. You're not taking me. Give me that gun. Oh, bite my arm. Yeah. Same arm Waterman's dog chewed on, huh? I I don't know what you're talking about. No? Just the same you went right for a gun. Brand new gun at that. Like you were expecting you might have trouble. Come on, get up. Why'd you kill him? You want all the money instead of a split? Money. (laughs) <laughs> money. Yeah, where's the money? What'd you do with it? What did I do with it? I worked on him for months until he trusted me. Then we went down to the river, but we couldn't find the place. Couldn't remember all the landmarks. He couldn't see, and after 16 years, he couldn't remember. He couldn't remember. I went crazy. I planned on it so much, I went crazy then, so I'll... If I had the money, I, I could have gotten away. Without the money, I had to come back here so they wouldn't be looking for me. All right, Roland. Go get some clothes on. <laughs> Looks like that 40000 is really gone for keeps, Chase. Yeah. Buried in a rock ridge somewhere near the Rio Grande. That's money that never bought anybody anything. I feel sorry for that dog, Chase, breaking his heart and dying like he did. Funny thing about a dog, a dog never passes judgment. He just sticks right to the finish, whether you're good or bad, worth it or not. I'll help Rowan get a jacket on, then we can take him in. For the murder of James Waterman, alias Joseph Wilson, J.B. Rowland was convicted and sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for a period of 99 years. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. 
Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Peggy Weber, Herb Vigran, Ed Begley, Earl Keane, Tom Holland, and Tom McKee. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.